Welcome to another episode of Yesterday's Capers. I'm Abdullah Molim and every week I'll be bringing you the very best shows from the past that the world has to offer. This week we look back on some game shows that require teamwork, extreme focus and dedication as we talk Lab Rats Challenge and the CITV classic Nightmare. And we take a special look at the cult classic The Crystal Maze. We'll talk all about this amazing 90s show and if you don't know, get to know. So, let's get started. And uh, joining me as ever is uh, producer Paul. Hey man, how's it going? I am all right, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. It's been a it's been a weird old week this week, though. Weather's been miserable. Um, stuck indoors. Not that you'd want to be outside, but you know, it's just been one of those weeks. Yeah, it's going to be like this for. A while, isn't it? I guess. So one one thing I have discovered though is um, emulators. Um, so I've been emulating um, old um, consoles uh, because we had um, obviously Nightmare this week, and they actually made a computer game. So I've been um, I've been playing on that, which is like bringing back <laughs> some old old memories. I mean, this is on like a an Amiga console, which I didn't even know when that first came out. That must have been like. 80s somewhere i don't even know interesting interesting you know what initially when i was watching the first show i was thinking this is going to be a horrible week my god <laughs> but it, it it ended up not being too bad in the end it, it it actually turned around or at least two out of three of them turned around one was just yeah i mean it was it wasn't bad but this week was, I think, one of the times where yesterday's capers can have a bit of a sting in the tail. Um, so, I think, yeah. What's that supposed to mean? As in, like, um, you know, we always look back in the past with rose-coloured glasses and this and that and the other, and then, <laughs> you, you know, and then we and then we visit the past and we get a slap in the face for it. So, um, you know, this is a rough. Yeah, move. well. I mean, we're what, 65 episodes in? I think that's only happened a few times. I would probably say like a third of the shows that we've done have been pretty bad. I'd say the rest of them have actually been pretty good pretty and good, uh, yeah. have held up reasonably well. And one of the things, the kids of the 90s are like... I mean, obviously we were kids of the 90s, right? But <laughs> they were weird, most of them. They were weird. <laughs> they were weird. Everyone was weird in the 90s. I wasn't yeah. weird. I didn't think I was... The... Actually, I probably was weird. Yeah, I, I mean... was probably the biggest weirdo. But yeah, we'll talk <laughs> about these shows. But goodness me. Goodness me. You know, and you know what? Lab Rats Challenge was, what, 2008? Oh, and even really? the kids then were weird. Yeah. So so this isn't like a 90s thing. But yeah, anyway, let's uh, let's, let's, let's get right into it. Oh, just quickly. Um, there was... Um... This is something I saw yesterday on the uh, on the news. Was that um, I saw that the NFL appointed their first Muslim coach. Oh yeah, so I Robert was, Salah. Like, yeah, so I was, I was thinking of you when I saw that. Oh okay, that's a you know that's a a fantastic appointment. He's a a very very good defensive coordinator for the Forty uh, ers He had a pretty big rep. And yeah, he he interviewed pretty much for all of the vacancies that are available in um, the NFL because there was quite a few. 
my team, Atlanta Falcons, were also looking for a coach. I think we did interview Robert Sala, but I think we've gone with um, Tennessee's uh, offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith. And uh, for more talk like that, you can listen to Third and One Fall. We're back with new episodes. And yeah, we will be talking about things of this nature. But yeah, Muslim coach in the NFL at the New York Jets. I mean, it's not the best landing spot in the world because New York Jets are absolute tripe. But if anyone can turn it around, then uh, yeah, Robert, Robert Sala can. Right, back to business now. And we're going to start with Nightmare. So this show came out in September 1987. And some of the things happening in the world. In a coup d'etat in Burundi, President Jean-Baptiste Bagaza is deposed by Major Pierre Boyoya. The world's first conference on artificial life is held at Los Alamos National Laboratory in the United States. Alan, Alan Proist wins the Portuguese Formula One race in Estoril to surpass Jackie Stewart and set a new record of 28 career wins. The Princess Bride was in the cinemas. It's a cracking film, that. Absolutely cracking film. And Bad by Michael Jackson was in the charts. Right, so uh, Nightmare now. So this was a British children's adventure game show created by Tim Child. So basically, it's one member who takes the game in person, and they're referred to as the Dungeoneer, but are made blind to their surroundings by the Helmet of Justice a headpiece that blocks their field of vision to just around their feet. The other three acts as their advisors, guiding them around, giving them advice to solving puzzles and making notes on information received. Once the Dungeoneer is ready, they are set off on their quest, which in most series requires the team to choose which one they will undertake, whereupon the action takes place within a blue screen chroma key studio that is used to display a partly computer-generated partly hand-drawn fantasy dungeon. Only the viewers and the Dungeoneers advisors can see this. The objective of the game is for the team to complete three levels of a specially made dungeon designed for them. Each team faces a new dungeon of a different design, but with similar features recurring during a series. Each level consists of a number of rooms, same with puzzles, obstacles, and challenges that have to be overcome, and a selection of inhabitants. Some will help out, while others will either hinder the player unless they're given the, unless they give them something they require or attempt to stop them and end their game. Each team is required to complete their game within a time limit, which is represented by an on-screen animated life force meter for the Dungeoneer that depletes over time. The meter is only ever seen by the viewers, but the advisors receive clear hints about its status when they need to take care, because the amount of time given is not enough. The team must get the Dungeoneer to checkpoints within the dungeon and have them pick up a food item and place it within a knapsack given to them before they begin their run, which restores the Dungeoneer's life force to full upon doing so. If the team makes mistakes that allow the Dungeoneer to take damage from minor monster or hazards, they incur a time penalty that reduces the amount of time they have to complete the game. If the Dungeoneer runs out of life force, the game is over. The game is also over if a team makes a bad decision and take a wrong route into a dead end, or the Dungeoneer is killed by an enemy character, monster, or trap that falls into a pit. 
If the team manages to complete all three levels, they are awarded with their prize, which changed over the years of the show's history. Unlike most other children's shows, Nightmare had no qualms over having a very high difficulty level, and as a result, only eight teams managed to win the game over its eight series. Regardless of whether a team wins or fails, they leave the show once their game is over and a new team takes their place. You know how, like, sometimes they think, you know what, oh, a game is so difficult. Let's dumb it down for these kids. They didn't dumb it down at all. I like that. They, they gave them the odd hint, but, um, yeah, I really like the fact that it was, like, nails. It's like um, Takeshi's Castle. Like, I've never seen someone win on that show. I mean, I don't think you should be making things too easy anyway, right? What's the point? Just gives them no sense of achievement. Well, I'll tell you what, it's not that impossible. Eight, eight teams managed to win it, so, like, what, won a series? Yeah. Right, so uh, a Saxon knight named Treeguard or Treeguard of Dunshelm was the dungeon master and was played by Hugo Mayat for the show's eight series. From series four, Treeguard had an assistant, Pickle the Elf, played by David Lerner. And from series seven, after Pickle had gone back to the forest, Majida, a princess and a genie of Arabian accent, accent, descent was played by Jackie Sawiris, Arabian accent. She didn't have an Arabian accent anyway, but she, yeah, she was of uh, Arabian descent. And yeah, her name, Jackie Sawiris. Sorry if I've said it wrong. And she claimed that her name was a daughter of the setting moon, whose eyes are like daggers in the hearts of men who ride the great caravan of the Sultan. Apparently I think that's what, her name means. During the early series, Treeguard was portrayed as a neutral character, mostly between series one and three. During the start of episode 14 of series three, when no team had yet completed the series dungeon, he went as far as to say, we're celebrating an unbeaten record, apparently siding against the Dungeoneers. However, from series five onwards, there was a clear distinction made between the powers that be and the opposition against which Trigard became less neutral and more inclined to aid the Dungeoneers to complete their quest. Over the course of the series, Trigard became known for his catchphrase, Ooh, nasty, regularly used just after a team had died, intended only as a passing remark. This was originally an ad-lib by Myatt. Nightmare lacked a single major antagonist or baddie. Indeed, originally Trigard was specifically a neutral character, neither on the side of good nor evil. The closest there was to a main villain was Mordred or Mogdred, portrayed by John Woodnut. And his main duty was, according to Wizard Merlin in the penultimate episode, oh, so it's Mordred. Yeah, Mordred, he's like the, the druid guy in Merlin, isn't it? Oh, so you don't know the legend of Merlin then? Yeah, I know the kind of wizard King Arthur stuff but i don't really know it that way everybody knows king arthur but like obviously the the story of uh yeah the 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 background of merlin and how he gets involved i think lady morgana and mordred are brothers and sisters or at least they or they're or they're the same like family of druids or whatever i did watch years and years ago i did watch um the BBC Merlin production, which I thought was really good, but I can't remember. Very good. Outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding. Uh, blah, 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 blah. 
And then changes were made and the majority of characters were split into two sides, the righteous powers that be and the villainous opposition, the leader of which was Lord Fear, played by Mark Knight. By this time, Treeguard's stance had now fully evolved into the strictly good character. I think Mordred kills Arthur. Or I think he's destined to kill Arthur. Yeah, anyway. Nightmare was conceived by Tim Child in 1985. Inspired by the two ZX Spectrum games, Attic Attack and Dragon Talk. Realizing that if a ZX Spectrum could do these types of adventure game, then the television program could revolutionize the genre. He enlisted the help of artist David Rowe to design realistic looking backgrounds with an airbrush. Borrowing the technique used in weather forecast, Child devised a large blue room which was set up in Studio A of Anglia Studios. The advanced computer graphic environments were created by the traveling Mate company using the Spacewood Supernova computer. The show was an instant hit, and the second series, twice as long as the first, was commissioned the next year, closely followed by a third year after that. By this time, the third series finished. Child felt the dungeon format was getting too restrictive, and he needed something new. Because of this, the fourth series saw the introduction of many outdoor scenes, filmed around places such as medieval castles across the UK and composited into the Blue Room using actual chroma key technique. The show also saw the introduction of the Eye Shield, which acted as an eye for the Dungeoneer. At its peak in 91-92, Nightmare attracted approximately 4 to 5 million viewers per episode, with many episodes directed by Martin Kearns. By 1993, the year which saw the program's seventh series, it was the most popular non-animated show on CRTV. Wow. However, changes had recently occurred. Late in the previous year, the ITV Children's Committee was replaced by a single controller of CITV, Dawn Airy. Although she thought well of Nightmare, the average audience age of CITV was now 6 to 10, down from 6 to 15. And it was believed that the older audience was moving to satellite television and video games and that programs for a younger audience was needed. Now that explains a lot about CITV and their kind of mentality and thinking. Right. Nightmare. The fact that um, uh, he said he drew inspiration from the the video game, the ZX Spectrum games, kind of makes sense why they actually made it into a um uh, Amiga slash Commodore 64 game which was like which I I didn't know because this is like fully legit um Anglia television logos on it game and I have to say I know I'm plugging the game a lot but the game was a huge part of my childhood and I absolutely loved it and I watched this show probably because of the game and loved that as well and the theme tune was incredible you know watching the knight come down with a sword and he's got a shield on his arm and he's riding a horse i just thought that was incredible yeah so like purely from nostalgia i absolutely 100 percent loved this show <laughs> you know what right initially i was bored and then it kind of grew on me and i can see like you know the whole virtual reality it was an innovation man nobody was doing this and obviously when you see like the Google glasses or whatever, this was kind of like the original version of this. And obviously it took a lot of graphics, it took a lot of, I can imagine a lot of manpower, a lot of 
time to kind of get everything together and people love the show yeah, I, I mean, I thought that the Dungeon Master was a, a pretty damn good actor, to be fair. He, like, he's stating in character the whole time, even when the kids just aren't getting it. And he's like, remember, children? And he's like rubbing his eyes in the background. <laughs> uh. Obviously, they've just got a massive helmet on their head, so they can't see anything. Um, the, the You know, the Dungeoneer, but... But some of them were so slow. I just, you know, I, I found myself like screaming, move, move, <laughs> yeah. idiot, move. You, you see the little thing come up with the, the life force and then you're like, you yeah. Or the one with the, my favorite one, I think it was the first couple of episodes where um, there's a little bomb comes up and they, they have to get out of the, the scene as quickly as possible. And they're like, where am I? You're in a oh. room <laughs> with two doors and a really black thing. And the bomb's going, and you're like, I'm like, move, fool. <laughs> yeah so um but yeah i mean it was really good um but but it's one of those things like if you if you look at it honestly has it stood the test of time and i think like the answer ha- to that has to be no because you know it does look incredibly dated and you know there are you they, they could do you and i could do better things on our laptops now which is like and I'm not I'm not taking anything away from it, but what I'm saying is like now, if you were to recreate that that TV show or something like that, I'm not even sure how you would even go about doing it because um, it's it's such a particular format and it's such a basic format. You know, walk here, go through this door. I mean, and the whole when they when they change scenes and stuff like that. Um, don't get me wrong, I'm not taking anything wrong with back in the day because I think it's such an achievement and it's so incredible, the VR, the blue screen, everything like this. And obviously I'm the first one to say like um, filmmaking techniques and things like that. But I, I really liked it back in the day and then watching it back, I was a little bit sad to watch it back. Um, oh. Uh, so, because you know, like, you know, when you've, you've built something up in your head and... Um, you know, you watch it and you're like, oh, I remember this being so much better than it was. Um, and again, it's just like watching the kids and how weird the kids are um, <laughs> in, in the show. Especially, oh. I've, I found it's especially British kids. British kids were weird. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. Like, they were doing the most. You're doing the most. We'll talk about it in the other shows in particular. But like, yeah, they these kids were doing the most. But obviously, this is you know they they're on TV. Yeah, they're, I don't think there was many opportunities to be on TV back then. Nowadays, it's like you can't keep people off TV or YouTube or the internet or whatever. But nowadays, I mean, yeah. But back then, you probably had one shot to be on TV, and yeah, and it was um. They probably had to write a letter to do it as well, like an actual handheld, handwritten exactly. letter. Um, so in terms of the show as a kid, now I remember it, but I never used to watch it because it, 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 I it was look at something like this. No, well, not back in 93, 94. I, I, that was, ITV was my thing. I think once they kind of changed courses, it, like I said, it explains a lot that they were thinking, you know what, we need to bring the audience down because obviously as i grew up i was getting further further away from ciev and once they kind of changed the programming of the age groups to a younger audience and cbbc on the other hand were out there targeting 
slightly older kids with their programmers and that's why I kind of jumped ship and that it, it yeah it explained a lot when they when they were saying that about um catering for young kids but yeah I never I never watched Nightmare Nightmare was probably one thing I CITV that I never watched I mean it's it is considered to be one of CITV's best shows I'm not sure I think it struggled to make my top five if I'm being honest uh, I think honestly I think this was one of my this is probably uh, definitely I reckon it's one of my top TV shows from when from when I was a kid because it was like that iconic and the theme tune of it is so good it is probably one of the best theme tunes out there to be honest um it's good it's, it's good, so good but it's, so it's not it's not bertha it's different man it's you can't it's hard to compare the two to be fair but i mean i this was the theme tune was that good i mean it made me crack out the old emulator and play this game again so i mean <laughs> every probably 6 months or so i have a good like a good play on this game and i and if I don't have it, I get a bit itchy and, and, you know, now we're doing the podcast on this show. I was like straight on there, had a 20 minutes. I've uploaded it to, well, I will upload it to YouTube later on. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I said, it doesn't hold up now. Um, if I, if I speak about it truly, honestly, but, um, I still love it. It's got a special place in my heart. Okay. So let's talk about, um, things that we watched or episodes that we watched. Yeah, I mean, all three shows today were very difficult to write notes on because it's very like they went in this, they did that, and you know, and they and they on this one it's like and they and they died. So um, we can talk about how weird the kids are then. Yeah, so this one was um, these were all from oh, where were they from? I want to say Berkshire, but that might be wrong. Um, is that the, no, is that the very first kids? Yeah, yeah, yeah. David Campbell, David Campbell, David Hemp, James Hoggett, and Lucian Morris. Well, oh, you wrote their surnames. I only just wrote their first names. Only on the first one because um, it got so hard to 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 um, to to keep up with them because it's very like kind of quick and how they did it. So um, these guys were all from Bedfordshire, and they had to do a, this. See, this is like where you know when I was talking about um, what was his name, the um, the dungeon the dungeon master, Tregard, isn't it, or Tregard? Yeah. Treyguard, yeah. So he was like, this is one of the ones where he was like, oh, I'm going to kill these kids. From, you know, um, I think it's the first episode, like, I'm, no, he's more like, I'm going to kill my agent for, getting, for booking the show for me. What <laughs> yeah. am I doing with these kids? They don't know he, anything. Yeah, the first puzzle on the floor was like, it has letters on the floor. The, the, um, the dungeoneer had to walk on. It's like, it's spelled e open. O E N. Yeah, and he's just like walking, and, and there's these kids are like that. I don't know. I don't. I don't really know. <laughs> yeah. What? 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 Open? Pono? <laughs> yeah. Open oh, it spells open. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and eventually they solved the puzzle where they had to walk on O P E N in that order. Then they go into the puzzle. Oh, this. So this is another one that actually kind of made me laugh. So basically, they walk into a room and there's a table. The table has some items on it. They need food in the knapsack so that they don't die. They have like, um, and like a couple of other, they have like three other items on the table and they're supposed to take two of them. So, and then, you know, then the, the um, he goes, uh, you can see the kids jump as well. Did you notice that the kids were jumping when he, when he's like, you've spent too long in this. And he's like, oh my God. Um, uh, so they, basically the, um, this, uh, the wall comes alive. 
it the manifestation monster or something like that? Or Olgaf the legend, I wrote. Yeah, so he's like this thing that comes out of the wall and he he's he's a grade level one monster or something. He's not very tough, but, you know, he will cause you a little bit of issues. Anyway, so he his thing was you had to solve a riddle and then he let you go. And if you sold two, he'd help you out. And if you sold three, you could command him to do something. I am so bad at riddles. I I can never ever get a riddle. It could be the most obvious thing, but I could ne- I never I was I'm so bad at riddles. I like to think that I'm not too bad at them. I mean, I got the first three right, but then I think on the second one, I was like, I don't know this. Um. Uh. So the first one was um. Uh, mountains slept on me. My father was younger than I, and a sculpture gave a sculptor gave me my face. What the hell is that? And the answer was stone. And then this one I didn't know because this one you actually had to know. It's like made like me a mountain stands, the tallest something on the land, uh, and someone gave game gave name to me, and they got it wrong as well. But the the answer was Ben Nevis, but it was like quite ambiguous. Like I'm not sure how they got that. And there was a sword in the stone riddle and. Um, it was like who pulled the sword out of the stone, but in a fancy way. And it was obviously... It's not um, just a sword, it's Excalibur's sword. The sword of Excalibur. But they didn't mention the name of Excalibur. They just mentioned um, the sword in the stone, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Uh, they got two rights, so they they said that they have to... Um, he gave them a, a clue, but they didn't... They, they took the... There was a lamp, uh, a charm, and a ruby on the table, and they took the lamp. So the charm and the ruby. Then they had to leg it out of the thing, and then they had to go fast through two rooms without the bomb. And then, he, and then this is the one where it's like, "You're in a room, and there's a door, and the bomb's all the way ticking away." And then Lilith's like, domain. Yeah, but the thing is, the, the designer's like, oh, "I'm going to call this this, and it's going to be like this, and it's great." And I'm like, "Yeah, he's gone in a room, and there's a bomb." Um, so that's no, good. Um, then they go into this room, and there's like a lady who's on the other side of a cavern. And basically, she wants a ruby in exchange for a pass. Um, and then they go out into the corridor of the army of the dead. And basically, there's like soldiers come in, like these skeletons or whatever. And they have to run into a room. And then they run into a room with no light. Turns out they should have taken a lamp and they die in there. Uh, episode two was with, with was episode two in reality as well, was May and Crew. And they have to spell, instead of spelling open, they spell sesame. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blast through these because... Oh, I didn't watch um, Maeve. I didn't watch Maeve, Christina, David and Lee. I kind of left that. So they were on for two episodes. So I watched two more with them in it, if you see what yep, I mean. Yeah, go for it. Um, so they turn left and there's a bomb. They go into a room with a snake. They have to move fast before it bites them. They go into a room with a table. They take the bread. There's a bread comb and a gold and a soap. And they take the bread and the soap. War monster again. He says, what runs, yet has no legs, and has a bed, but never rests? I don't know. What runs, yet has no legs, and has a bed, but never rests? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't a, know. Stop asking ri- me this question. <laughs> it's a river. And what is the man-like monster what? of the snow? How is that a river? It has a river bed, and it and a river runs. Oh, my God. Um, The... the 
the snowman. So what is the snow monster man thing? And it was the abominable snowman. But I said Yeti, so I'm not sure if I've got that right. And then this one was where they asked you what was the name of the sword in the stone. Did you get the river one? Yeah. Maybe I've heard it before. I don't know. Um, see, see, once the answer, once you get the answer, you are like, oh, it's so obvious. But I, I like riddles, but I don't like riddles that are completely stupid. You know, when you get the answer, and and also ones that could be anything else. Like it has to be very. You had, you have to be able to deduce the answer from the riddle, and if you can't, then that's stupid. And and this is where you come in with the the sword in the stone. What was the name of the sword in the stone? Um. And obviously that was Excalibur. Um, so all that glitters is not gold. He says something about that. And then he takes the soap. They go into the woman. Um, they go into the cavern. There's a woman in there. But it looks like she needs a comb. They didn't take the comb. They gave it, They tried to give her the soap. So she threw them down the cavern. So this was a new one on the same episode. With Simon Nichols. And then Simon, Jonathan and Stephen were the dungeon helper, helper outers. They go into the room with the, you know, where it has something to do on the floor. They had to make a picture of a key instead. Then they they go into a room with a giant in it, and they have to run off before he sneezes instead of a bomb going off. The table they have a rib ribbon of food, uh, a keys and a symbol thing. They go to the riddle room, um, a blade that cuts and may feed a cow. Was this riddle? Say it again. A blade, a blade that cuts, but. May feed a cow. A blade that cuts but may feed a cow. Yeah. Grass. Yeah. <laughs> nice yes! <one>. Um... <laughs> I got it right! <laughs> Got him! Got him! <laughs> um, and then they were like, uh, there was four, he said, there's four elements that frighten me. What are they? And then he had to say the four earth, wind, fire, and water. Um, and. So on about an egg for the last one, but I didn't write down the riddle. Uh, then they go through two bomb rooms and they go through the late go to the lady in the cavern. She wants a ribbon, so they get to go to the next one. Um, she warns them that there's a monster on the next side of it, um, and they give them two spells. But the 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 advisors have to be the spellcasters. Um, so when they go into the next room, there's a there's this um, skeleton thing. So they cause the um, they, they cast a spell and they go into another room with another riddle man. And then they said something. They said something really weird. It was such a weird riddle. They get it wrong in the first one. So this is more questions than riddles, to be fair. They said something about um, the Middle East prince uh, Salad Adin. What do we name him now? And it was Saladin. And I was like, that sounds so weird that it was just the same thing but just squished together. I think they say Saladin, don't they? Yeah. Um, yeah, Saladin. Yeah. So, but it was. It was weird though. Um, the way they phrased it. And then it says, who fought each other over the roses? And I didn't know this, but obviously I know... Oh, all the Henry. roses, isn't it? Yeah, so it's Henry Tudor and somebody else, but I don't know who the somebody else was. I know that they joined forces in the end because they had the Tudor rose, right? Which was the the, the red and the white one. Oh, and then it says, on the table, there's like, there's a pills, a key, and a snuff box. I was like, a snuff box? <laughs> I don't know what Snuffbox is. And they take the key, whose name is Casper, and he talks. They lasted the whole episode, so they kind of finished just after um, there's a bit of a wizard, and I didn't watch that bit, so they completed that episode. Um, then I watched episode five, but I was distracted halfway through the episode, so my notes aren't 
sorry, season five. So I think you've probably got some to fill in here, but I didn't. Um, this is very, very short because I didn't actually write notes down because I was very distracted with childcare at the time watching this. So it was Catherine Crouch with Rayleigh, Faye and Alison. So this is more like the game. So like they had to shield, they were after the shield, the cup, the sword, after four artifacts, uh, that's what their quests were for. So this is much more like the game. So the game, you're asked for the same things and you go into different dungeons for different different things. Begin a bit, she gets on a dragon and there's like this POV camera helmet thing going on now, which is quite cool. I think it's from the eye of the shield, right? Um, the So she meets a monk who tells her to one thing i've really noticed about this episode the kids were much more awkward talking to the people so when they were talking to the people they didn't know how to talk to the to the actual human beings so she spoke to a monk in the market and so she spoke to a monk who gave her something to take to a man in the market who was telling her how to get to the dungeon um the man in the market was like you know trying to he was kind of like a like a swindler kind of guy like character and it really put this girl off. Like she didn't know whether to give him this thing or not give it to them. And then like he was trying he was trying so hard to drive the conversation forward and to, you know, to get the quest on the on the go. But she was kind of having none of it. She's like he was like, Oh, do you have something to give me? And she was like, No. And he's like, Uh, did the monk not give you anything to give me? And she was like, Yeah, but you can't have it. And he was like, Um, all right. Well, what if I give you this in exchange for it? Um, anyway, so they eventually got through there, um, and they managed to go to a dungeon, and I forgot what happened in the rest of the episode. But it was very so. Um, so basically, this episode was like the you could see a big step up in the um, in the graphics and the and and the VR and stuff like that, which I thought was quite cool. So now instead of having a crowd around a monitor, they now had like a better set in the in the um, in the studio bit, watching like quite a, a bigger screen. Yeah, I. I I, I honestly enjoyed watching these again and I enjoyed it for the nostalgia. Um, but yeah, the, the the actual watching it in today's world is, is different. Different. I'll stop being so harsh. You and I didn't think it was that. Held no, I'm not that being harsh. Badly. I'm just like, I'm just a bit sad about it, to be honest. <laughs> well, I watched uh, an episode with an all Asian team, all Asian girls. I only saw white white people, so yeah. That's it's why, yeah, I thought I was just literally scrolling down. I thought, oh my god, ethnic minority! I'm definitely gonna watch this. So it was uh, Nyla Nyla Khan, I believe. She was the uh, dungeoneer, and she came with Akila, Asmita, and Samreen. Love it, love it. I was rooting for these girls so hard, man. I was rooting for them. And I wrote that it's very different from the first series because it was quite, um, quite, quite the contrast. So she's basically going inside, and she comes across a man, and he kind of warns her about someone called Hans. He's quite a, a dangerous guy or whatever. So she goes inside the inn, and she comes across a lady, and she's trying to get some info and you know offering food, drink, and whatever. Then some drunk guy walks in to talk to Nyla, tells her about a big palace, gave her a horn that she can use. And so Nyla tells the barmaid about the drunk guy and the barmaid tells her about a dragon and some stones. And then Nyla gets the scroll to say, use this to buy time and ends up taking a cauliflower. 
Man offers Nyla a seeing potion, but wants money. And I think she manages to give a piece of silver that she had from one of the other places. And there's a little thing where she's watching a thing and then a man is telling another man to call everyone back from level one. And so there, as she goes into, basically it's like this thing where it's like a swinging club and she has to kind of walk through it and she can only see a little bit. So they're going, wait, 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 wait. stop, stop, stop. Walk, stop, walk, walk, stop. It was, it was actually quite gripping and exciting. I was like, ah, don't walk, walk, don't walk. That was quite good. Then she goes into a room with uh, the green wizard Grimaldi. And she offers Grimaldi the horn and he gives her the firestone. And then Nyla ends up going on the dragon and goes for a ride, which was quite cool. And leaves the firestone for the dragon. Nyla comes across a huge sleeping troll and then reads from the scroll and then talks to a book, which I think was like a, a bookworm or something along those lines. Goes into a room and comes across another man. And so magic is basically taking out the man and the goblins like some bulk thingy and a new room. She goes to a new room and a man is talking to her, tells a riddle and wants knowledge, asks three questions and then she ends up getting them right. Now she's walking through the tunnels, picks up the spyglass and she has to watch what's like obviously looking through the spyglass, seeing what's what. And so it's, basically telling her the combination to get through to the next level. So I think this was like literally the final round. And I think this kind of went through two episodes as well. And so, yeah, she um, has to, her teammates have to write down the uh, combinations. So it's basically like left, left, right, 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 left, left, right, left, right, whatever. And so the last challenge was the trial by spikes. And obviously, you have to use the combination to get by. But sadly, don't remember. And they lose in the end. What a shame. It's a shame. Not a surprise, but a shame. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't no one winning that game. Shoot. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, that's the whole point, I guess, to make it as difficult as possible. And that's the challenge. You don't want it to be dumbed down. Kind of ruins the fun, I think. Or it kind of ruins the magic if you kind of made it a more simplistic game. And I think maybe that was why the ITV commissioners kind of looked at it and thought, yeah, either we dumb this show down to five-year-olds or we don't have it at all. So, And I think they kind of went with the latter. Any final words about Nightmare? No, I just have to say this is probably the most nostalgia I've ever stepped into a... Um... Uh, into a yesterday's capers thing with so um, and to be honest, I still loved it. I still loved everything about it. The theme tune, especially. So if you want to listen to theme tune, listen to theme tune. Labrats challenge now, and this show came out in August two thousand and eight. And some of the things happening in the world: another coup d'état as President CD Old Sheikh Abdullahi of Mauritania is deposed. Georgia invades the breakaway state of South Ossetia, sparking a war with Russia as the latter intervenes in support of the separatists in both South Ossetia and Abkhazia. A total solar eclipse is visible from northern Canada in Nunavut, Greenland, 
Central Russia, Eastern Kazakhstan, Western Mongolia, and China. Tropic Thunder was in the cinemas, and Begging by Madcon was in the charts. Labrats Challenge, it was an Australian children's game show with hosts Drew Jarvis and Nicole Dixon. In contrast to other Australian children's game shows such as Sharky's Friends, A Amazing and Go Go Stop, which are filmed on a large set in front of a live studio audience, Labrats Challenge uses several smaller sets resembling an abandoned science laboratory. Is it laboratory or laboratory? Um, I would say laboratory. Laboratory. Yeah, because you're, it was your English, aren't you? So, laboratory. That sounds American, doesn't it? Science lab. <laughs> yeah. Did <laughs> I just say science lab? Yeah. Science lab. Yeah. I don't know. Laboratory sounds American, doesn't it? Sounds too American. Now, you, now I've said it too many times. I don't know what sounds right in my head. I don't know. Whatever. Science lab. Um, and it was filmed in Brisbane's Channel 9 studio on Mount Kutha, Queensland. The challenges on the show are born from science experiments such as guessing how many drops of water will fill on a 20 cent coin. Each episode's final challenge, the labyrinth features the, ch- the labyrinth features the children's competitors racing through a series of physical and mental challenges. The first player to make it through the labyrinth get cheesed at the end. This is similar in style to the maze in early 90s Australian kids game shows, A Amazing and the 1990s American show Legends of the Hidden Temple. In the UK, Labrat's Challenge was screened on Pop and Kicks. And at around the same time, CBBC began airing a similar UK-produced format, Richard Hammond's Blast Lab. So some of the rounds, so first you'd have the Nano Challenge, and in this round, both teams simultaneously try to complete the challenge and achieve their goal. If they succeed, the team wins 10 points. It, if its time limit is unlimited, it could be a minute, half a minute, or even two. What will happen if, and in this round, Drew and Nicole will describe the experiment and both teams in private must make a hypothesis guess as to what will happen. After both teams' guesses are made, Drew and Nicole will perform the experiment, and if their guess is right, the team wins five points. Method Madness. In this round, the team performs the task either simultaneously or one at a time. If the task is to be performed one at a time, the trailing team will decide whether to go first or second. If there is a tie, the randomizer will then be done to find the winning team. Whoever goes second will get shrunk by Drew and surrounded by a metal cage with a cat on guard to prevent them from seeing their opposing team in action. Teams will perform a task. The winning team gets 15 points. Another common form of shrinking in Method Madness is where they lose your heads through use of CGI. In the 2012 version, the trading team got to perform the challenge first and the leading team had their heads relocated. The rat race. So this is the race to completing the game. Whoever wins gets 30 points. Along the way, status accelerators are on offer with 20, 15, 10 and 5 points. Obstacles include wire traps, cargo nets, dark room, slide, ball pits, maze, and a cheese dump. Every episode has a major challenge where teams have to do a task such as filling a cylinder to the line, building a skeleton, or operating a crane. In the 2012 version, as well as trying to find the exit to the dark room, teams have to find an eyeball before leaving the dark room. 
teams could also intentionally just exit a dark room without finding the eyeball in order to save up time in the race. By doing so, the team wasn't eligible to gain any status accelerator points. At the cargo net, contestants have to climb up two sets and crawl over the ground. After that, they slide down a slide to get the status accelerators. And after finishing the major task comes the maze, which they have to make their way through the correct doors. And if there is a tie after what will happen, if, or the rat race, there is a tiebreaker known as the randomizer. Both teams are given a breaker of a beaker of water along with two similar looking containers of white powder. Only one would cause a chemical reaction when placed in the water. The team that wins the rat race gets to choose their powder first. Both teams pour their powder into the water and one that has a chemical reaction wins. This tiebreaker is completely based on chance. Sounds boring, but there is one episode which has a sample randomizer with white powder. More excitingly, there is one episode which has two randomizers. It happened as both teams scored 15 all and 65 all. And this was series one, episode 20. Right, Lab Rats Challenge. So, um, I mean, this probably came on the scene a bit late, but you did mention Richard Hammond's Blast Challenge. So I I didn't watch it, but I was definitely aware of that show being around. Um, yeah. Anyway, so Lab Rats. Um, yeah, I mean... It was like one of those shows. It was it's pretty cool the things that they're doing, uh, to be honest. And I like the science element to it. Um, I mean, the, the 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 rat trap looked quite fun to play on. <laughs> but I mean, I don't. Where's the prize in this game? No, exactly. I was going to ask you. That. You just what get a slab right? of cheese in your face if you win. Yeah, but surely sh- that should be the losers thing. Like, what's what's going on? Why are the losers not getting gunged? Yeah. Some of the stuff looked fun, and then some of the stuff looked like so like show-stoppingly boring. Like that bit where they make them like, can you make what did I watch? There's two ones I watched, and they're like, oh, get this the 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 liquid is like a solid, and throw it to someone and put it in a jar, and then yeah, I watched that too. And and there was another one where like they uh, they had to make a play-doh copyright you know copyright there are other play-doh like plasticine things available but um so yeah but they had to make it like a a, a play-doh boat and had put marbles on it and it's like so show-stoppingly boring for a show like that it's like what the hell is this it's science isn't it it's for nerds but it's a but it's it's like it's trying to be something like Funhouse. Or get your own back. Or well, it's something. not trying to be like Funhouse, obviously. No, no, no. It's in like it's got it's got like the the um the salt course stuff and things and like the kind of like kids cheering and stuff like that. I think I think it had kids. We well, don't have that. Um, yeah, there's no audience. But but it's just kind of like um it had that kind of feel to it, but it was just like the content was just boring. Um, I know I understand the thing that they're trying to make science fun, but it didn't for me. It didn't do a very good job of that. If that was their remit. Yeah, well, as 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 listeners will probably know, I'm not the big science person at all. Science was my least favorite subject in school, and I sucked at science. So yeah, watching a show just basically dedicated to the wonders and marvels of science wasn't going to necessarily appeal to me. And I'm sure if I was a kid, 
I would give this show a very, very wide berth. I think the lack of audience as well didn't give it a real atmosphere. It's basically them in some big place doing science experiments. I never really liked science experiments at school, so I don't, I'm not I'm not sure why I'm going to like it at home. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, the one show, and I hope that we'll cover this in the future, the one, the one show that I think did science really well, and this is not a kid's show per se, but it's the Mythbusters, and I'm sure I've said it before in the show, but they did science experiments well. They're like, what happens if you blow this thing up? I don't know. Let's yeah, but that's not necessarily science, is it? It's just basically blowing stuff no, up. They, they, they do everything in the name of, science, name of science, and they try and make it as scientific as possible. Like They, they did one, the really cool one, and I know we're going off topic, but this show wasn't that much to write home about, so we can. Um, uh, <laughs> could you dodge a sniper bullet if you saw the muzzle flash? So, like... Um, no! So they had a... They had a um, I don't think you can. If you hear the shot, you're dead. You're That's, dead. But if you see the muzzle flash, they had time. Like this guy was like, I don't know how far he was. He was I'm sure he's like 400 meters away or something like that. Maybe more. Well, obviously, if you see something before it happens, then you can avoid it. Yeah, but the thing is, the, their point was that snipers have muzzle flash hiders on their guns, so you you wouldn't even see the flash. You'd be dead before you even knew it. Um, so yeah, but that was anyway. That was a cool science experiment. Um. All right, back to topic, and let's to talk topic. about episodes we watched. Right, so I watched episodes one, and I, I think three, one and three. Um, so they had a na- so the, the it was red versus blue kind of format, boys versus girls, which actually I liked. I liked the boy. I'm not sure if it's kept on through the whole thing, but I liked the boys versus girls element of this. Um, I thought it was just something a little bit like old but new. And I, I yeah. quite like I quite like I wrote their names. So it was Olivia and Sarah versus Michael and Dylan. I liked how when they're asking them about what you want to be when you grow up. So this is the difference between this is probably one redeeming feature for kids on this show. But um one of them was talking about, oh, I want to be a lawyer or I want to be an engineer. And I was thinking, yeah, that's real profession. That's a real man profession. I want to be an engineer. I want to be a plumber. I want to be an undertaker, you know, real professions. You ask a kid what they want to do now. I want to be a YouTuber. Yeah. I want to, I want to, I don't know. I want to, I want to be famous. And actually that's a thing even from way back then. But obviously, yeah, one of the main things is, oh, I want to be a YouTuber. Get out of here, man. Do, do something real. Yeah, I know. But you've seen how much they earn. Some of them. It's quite attractive, isn't it? I mean, I'd like to give it. Yeah, a go. I mean, I mean, YouTube, YouTube listeners. I mean, y'all, y'all, y'all have come through for me big time. So I don't want to put YouTube on blast too much, even though you guys like to cut my stuff out in certain countries. So, uh... yeah, um, that's that's that's, an, that's one of the annoying things, isn't it? Obviously, copyright free. But the thing is, like, we always limit the clips to. The... Oh, oh, oh. Sorry, Olivia and Sarah had this worst, like, handshake greeting thing. I was just like, stop doing it. No, but the boys just did the whole, you know, yeah, yeah, bump, fist bump, whatever. The girls were doing some, like, dance choreography kind of thing. And I'm just like, stop doing that. Stop doing that. (laughs) I'm sure if Olivia and Sarah would look back on this, they would be so embarrassed. They just did some weird, like, uh, 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 eh, do some weird thing. I was like, stop doing that. 
you're gonna i'm like you all are gonna look back at this and y'all are gonna cringe like you've never cringed before in your lives how much did that who was the the, the male presenter what was his name drew drew how much does he look like nico rosberg i mean that... I don't really no i couldn't i couldn't put them two together so I'll take your word for it. Yeah, he was like spitting image of Nico Rosberg. Anyway, so, um, so the first thing he did was like actually say, "Oh, you got this is how to put a skewer through a bloom without popping it." And I thought he was going to use the old sellotape trick, so you put a bit of tape on the the thing and you can pop a bloom without popping it, sort of thing. But he didn't. He just put it through the bits with no pressure, and he explained it quite well, which is which was quite cool. So, and then the the game was see how many you can do it without. So many you can put through about popping them. They got six all. Um, and then they had to do this guess where would the bowling ball smash him in the face if he dropped it from on a pendulum kind of, at, you know, just below his face? Would it come back? I thought it him? might. Now, I mean, I, I I knew this because I'd already watched a video like that on YouTube, but it was like, um, it was a much better experiment on YouTube. Oh, I saw one with a, with a guy that did the same experiment. And then it, he, as it came back, it was, oh my God, it didn't hit me. Gets up and celebrates it and it hits him, you know, <laughs> where boys don't like to be hit. So that was quite funny. Um, what, on uh, this show? No, 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 on, on YouTube. I'd seen it before. Um, oh. It's like, uh, then the Blues won because they said no. The girl said they think it would just touch him. The laws of physics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, It won't go won't defy the laws of physics. So the next one was to get the solid bit in a jar, which I quite liked to call the liquid thing when he punched it and it was a solid and then he touched it and it was running through his fingers. I quite liked I th- thought that was quite cool. Um the girls won that one. Uh just about it was very close. Uh then they did the assault course, which was the best thing. And then the blue teams wins and then they get the cheese dump, which I didn't understand at first. And the red team were nowhere. You can see him in the background still trying to... What was, what was the, their game? They had to um, uh, shoot a ball through... You no, know, shoot the cups off the, the podiums. And the, the, they were still doing it when the when the blue team had finished. So um, <laughs> uh, I did episode three next. Should I just go straight on with that? It's very short. Yeah. Yep. So um, uh, this was Kirsten and Kate versus Ty and Jacob. Um, and they had to put Max through Mirror. Girls win. Oh, so they had a maze through a mirror. So they had like a picture of a maze that was like reflected into a mirror and they had to do the maze, but it was obviously all backwards and confusing for their brains. So um, the girls won that one. And then what happened if a bottle, if two bottles are hanging side by side and you blow in between them, would they get further apart? Or would they go inwards? And they went inwards, but no one won that because they thought they'd go sideways. So out. And to be honest, I thought that too. Um, but also, if someone asks a question that you expect the answer to be very simple, then you can kind of get in their heads and think the opposite. So the next one was the um, the marbles and Play-Doh thing, which is like thing. And then they had the labyrinth and the boys won that one as well. And again, the girls were absolutely nowhere on this one. They, were still, they had to do like this thing where you stamp on this pump and it shoots a rocket and you had to get the rocket through the hoop. And the girls were still doing it when they when the boys had finished that, gone through the maze and, and done the cheese dump. So yeah, the boys won that one. But what did they win? Absolutely nothing. Well, I would say that the girls won because they didn't get the cheese gunk on them. Yeah, good point. Good point. Um, I watched one with Daniel and Kaylin versus Michaela and Brooke. Now, Michaela, if you're out there, 
and you see your video on YouTube, like, I'm sorry, but uh, they're like, oh, her nickname is Mickey. And apparently they always sing, oh, Mickey, you're so fine. You're so fine. You blow my mind. Hey, Mickey. And they're like, and the guy goes, oh, would you like to sing the song? And I'm thinking in my head, surely she's not going to agree to doing this. No way. And what does she do? She ends up singing the damn song. Just the chorus just, bit or the whole lot? Yeah. Well, no, the, just the chorus bit. And then obviously she always she always went to the, oh, Mickey. Well, da, 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 da. And I'm just thinking, oh, my, stop. Stop. What is wrong with you? You're going to what look back on this and think, what the hell was I thinking? Poor Michaela. And so the first thing they have to do, they have to scrumple up newspaper into, like, balls. But their hand is, like, inside a hoop. So they have to like scrunch the newspaper and then got to drop it. And they've got to scrunch the newspaper, you got to drop it. And then obviously once your hand starts to like feel the pressure, it's going to be very, very difficult to do that. What will happen if? So they have to, they put marshmallow in a jug. They put like, I think air pressure on it. So they're like, what do you think happens? Do you think it's going to go bigger or smaller? They both said small. So they both got it wrong. It goes bigger. They Like the marshmallows like just, blowing up like a balloon and then once you take the air out it just goes like a balloon and shrinks to normal size and the next one was protecting eggs making sure they don't crack and so i like how the girls one was like really really neat nicely done like typical man just put straws all over it i just thought yeah that's exactly what i would have done just put hundreds of hundreds of straws in it they both were successful because the eggs didn't crack and at this point, I think the girls and the blue tea were like basically running up a massive lead. And so in the final challenge, the Reds make it back first and it ends up being a tie, 65-65 each. And then they do the uh, randomizer where they see which one of the cups have the uh, chemical reaction. And yes... The red team wins, but what they won exactly, I am not entirely sure because they just got cheese goo on their face. And can you imagine if it smells? Yeah, I did wonder what it was. And is, you know, if it was actually cheese, first of all, that's a waste because if it's like, that's probably like camembert or something, and that's an amazing cheese. But what's the also, fancy cheese? Fondue. Yeah, like fondue. What if it's yeah. just fondue? I mean, that's still less of waste, isn't it? I mean, it's quite nice. So, I mean, I would... I would doesn't matter if it's that... nice or not. It smells. It's cheese. Probably not very good if they have lactose and a lactose intolerance either. So, this oh. <laughs> old, like, um, Mickey's got massive big red eyes. Interesting. So, uh, we have to pick now for the first time in uh, 2021. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, this is an easy one for me. And this is one of the times I haven't been able to get over my nostalgia. So this is going to have to be nightmare for me for a winner. Um, even though I said the show doesn't hold up today and I stand by that, the nostalgia of the show will always make it dear to me. So I can't ever pick against it. And also, uh, Lab Rats was, was not a very good show at all. So, um, I mean, there's not much that Nightmare wouldn't have won against, but also this was like an easy beat down for it. I'm also going to go for Nightmare. Purely because of the episode with uh, with our Desi sisters, who uh, almost won, but they came up a, a little bit short. 
because of them. Um, Aquila, let me get their names. Let me get their names. Uh, where are we? Where are we? Nyla, Aquila, Asmita, or Samarine, if you ever want to come on Yesterday's Capers and talk about your experiences on Nightmare, you are more than welcome. You guys were trailblazers, man. Y'all went on that show. Y'all killed it. Almost, almost, almost won an impossible game show. So, yeah, you know, in, 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 in the name of those girls, I'm going to go for Nightmare. Shout out to them and yeah, shout out to uh, Nightmare. And uh, what was I going to say? Labrats Challenge. Michaela, probably don't watch your video again on YouTube. It behooves you not to see that on YouTube. Main event time now. And uh, woo, this is a hell of a main event. The Crystal Maze. So this show came out in uh, February 1990 and some of the things happening in the world. Smoking is banned on all cross-country flights in the United States. F.W. de Klerk announces the unbanning of the African National Congress and promises to release Nelson Mandela in Cartagena, Colombia. A summit is held between the President of the United States, George H.W. Bush, President of Bolivia, Jaime Paz Zamora and President of Colombia Virgilio Bojo Vargas and the President of Peru Alan Garcia the leaders pledge additional cooperation in fighting international drug trafficking Hard to Kill was in the cinemas and How Am I Supposed to Live Without You by Michael Bolton was in the charts I'm not sure if I know the song but I definitely obviously know Michael Bolton it's like a proper like power ballady kind of song but anyway the crystal maze so this was a british game show devised by jacques antoine based upon his format for the french game show fort boyard and produced for channel four the program focuses on team of contestants a mix of men and women attempting a range of challenges to earn time required to help them complete one final challenge which, if completed successfully, earns them a prize. The premise of the show is themed around challenges set to different periods of human history with a fictional labyrinth of time and space and is notable for the use of a golf ball-sized Swarovski glass crystals, referred to as time crystals, as a reward for each challenge successfully completed by contestants and lock-in conditions for contestants that run out of time or broke a three strikes rule on a challenge. In order to create a more successful format for Channel 4, who had commissioned the full series, Chatsworth television producer Malcolm Hayworth contacted Fort Boyard's creator, who attended the pilot's creation and who had created the company's other productions, Treasure Hunt and Interceptor, and proposed creating an alternative format which conducted challenges within themed zones. Antoine eventually provided a rough sketch to the producers when taking them to Paris to view a full-size crystal dome created by the French, revealing it would be the centerpiece and surrounded by four other sets. The sketch was used as inspiration for the concept of the crystal maze, which developed in just two days. 
creating a show which, although was similar to Fort Boyard, had substantial differences in presentation and style, creating a show akin to Dungeons and Dragons, with the host acting as the dungeon master. Each team that competes on the Crystal Maze undertake a series of challenges. Teams begin at a predetermined zone, whereupon they compete in a finite number of games in each zone, accruing as many time crystals as they can before traveling to the large crystal dome at the center of the maze to meet their final challenge. Upon entering the game's cell, the objective is usually determined by either a clear written passage or cryptic clue. The reminder, the remainder of the team watch their progress either through a cell's window or monitors, depending on the zone aesthetic, and may give advice to the contestants unless stipulated otherwise. The host will serve reminders of the time limit and any special rules, and generally will not give hints unless the contestants is struggling badly. Each game falls under one of four categories. So there's mental, ranging from simple brain teasers to acute memory and 2D, 3D puzzles. Mystery, problem-solving abilities ranging from treasure hunts to large-scale mazes. Physical, ranging from obstacle courses to lifting, using, cranking, or manipulating objects. Skill, which is dexterity, accuracy, and eye-hand coordination, ranging from target shooting and timing tests. Each game presents the potential of being locked within a game cell. If locked in, the contestant is unable to take any further part in proceedings unless they are released by their team captain at the cost of an earned crystal. If the team captain is locked in, the vice captain takes over and may select a new vice captain to replace them and so on. Reduction in team member poses an increased difficulty for future games and at their final challenge. There are two ways a locking can occur in the crystal maze. If a contestant exceeds their time limit within the cell, or an automatic lock-in where they breach the game's special rules or restrictions, irrespective of their progress in obtaining the crystal. This is outlined prior to a contestant entering the cell by the maze master. During the run of the original series between 1990 and 1995, teams consisted of three men and three women, each aged between 16 and 40, who were put together by the production team and did not know each other before appearing on the show. See, I thought they did know each other. Yeah, I have to say I did as well. I thought it was like a team, um, you know, that you pick your team kind of thing. Wow. I'm da- yeah, that, that blew my mind when I was um, doing the research for this. So that was very interesting. From their predetermined starting zone, teams either traveled clockwise or counterclockwise around the maze engaging in at least three games in each zone, sometimes being given the opportunity to play a fourth game in a zone during their trip around the maze. The 2019 series introduces the Mega Crystal, a noticeably large version of the crystals within the maze. The team has one opportunity to earn the Mega Crystal and the team captain decides before each game whether they want that game to be played for the Mega Crystal. If the team earns the Mega Crystal, it grants them 10 seconds of time instead of five in the Crystal Dome. Each episode had a budget of £125,000 and was filmed over a period of two days at the show's studio. During the first day of shooting, the team, followed by multiple cameras, tackle all the games and discover their fate in the Crystal Dome in the style of a live shoot. 
A close-up of contestants leaping and grabbing tokens was usually recorded while the actual collection was being counted. Actual collections of tokens were normally done on hands and knees as the tokens settled around the sides of the dome. The following day then focuses on acquiring close-up shots of gameplay with a single camera requiring team members to return to games they had already won or lost. Secondary shots can be identified by the lack of mics on contestants. An entire series requires about five weeks to be filmed with three episodes produced per week. Each series of the show featured in its own portfolio of games, 37 different game designs in series one and between 41 and 49 games in each subsequent series. For the first series, the show was filmed at Shepperton Studios with a stage set measuring 30,000 square foot and containing a water tank on site. After the first series, the production team decided to expand the maze relocating the set to an adapted aircraft hangar, Hangar 6, operated in Aces High Studios at the North Weald Airfield in Essex. After the show ended in 1995, when Channel 4's contract with producers Chatworth TV expired, the set was eventually dismantled. The presenters now. So the first one was Richard O'Brien, and he was one that wore a long fur coat paired with brightly colored shirts, skinny fit trousers, and a shaved head and long sleek leather boots brought to the show. And he brought a unique style of presenting, displaying an infectious enthusiasm and manic energy to his role. He was always broadly welcoming and encouraging to teams, being congratulatory on their successes, but would show visible frustration with a contestant for a particularly substandard attempt at a game and would encourage them to use their allotted time effectively. Then it was Ed Tudor Pohl in 93, the second host, and he wore an elaborate waistcoat and tunic, off-white sleeves and trousers, and long black boots in a similar style to his predecessor, with his look having been described as Georgian. While his style of hosting had the similar energetic style to O'Brien's, it was less detached, with Tudor Pohl being more sympathetic towards contestants, and often talking up to the time travel elements of the show with the inclusion of nonsense words such as trignification to describe the process of traveling between time zones. When it came back in 2016, Stephen Merchant was the host and he wore a blue dress suit, red waistcoat and white shirt with a floral neckerchief. His style of presentation involved quirky jokes about real life events and a cheerful demeanor with the contestants. He was offered the role full-time for the uh, new version of the show, but turned it down. And it was given to Richard Ayoade in 2017. And he's dressed in a smart, colorful suit, wearing his trademark glasses and carrying the hand, a wooden effigy of a hand on the end of a stick, which changes based on whether the contestants are civilians or celebrities. His style of presenting is described as being a more cerebral and intense version of his the IT crowd character Maurice Moss using acronyms such as ALIS automatic locking situation and being aware that the show is entirely fictitious with jokes being at the expense of the production values and editing of contestants when wearing safety gear the zones so you had Aztec Aztec which was an ancient Aztec village amidst ruins with carved pillars, sand, various plants, and a sky backdrop. Whilst the zone is typically shown during daytime, 
The original series depicted the zones through different periods of the day. Entry to the zone was originally via rowing along a river, with the revived series moving large boulders blocking the entrance. Industrial, a present-day chemical plant with metal barrels, warning signs, and a bubbling chemical pool, corrugated roofing and panelling. Cells had metal doors with bar handles, with some having office-like interiors. The zone was used for three series in the original run, with teams able to watch their nominated members' efforts in a game via one of the number number of monitors used in the zone. Futuristic, designed as a space station orbiting an unknown planet in the distant future. Futuristic was designed as a rundown with metal sliding doors, exposed wiring viewpoints that looked out into space with monitors spread over the station to view inside the cells and cell doors having a keypad next to them where the host punched the code to allow access. Medieval. So this is designed as a castle of the Middle Ages, laden with a straw-covered flagstone floor, wooden barrels, and a large dining table with solid wooden chairs. The area is lit with flaming torches and candles. The zone cells have sturdy oak doors with side locks on and barred windows to look in. And the zone was referred within the show as the homestead of the maze master. Ocean. So this came as a replacement to the industrial zone from 93 to 95. And this zone was designed as a sunken ship called the SS Atlantis, held within an air bubble at the bottom of the ocean and consisted of a saloon with an elegant staircase, wooden paneling, couches, a grand piano, covered furniture and objects, an upper walkway, a boiler room and a maintenance corridors with cells designed as either maintenance rooms, the interior of one of the ship's boilers or refined cabins. The Crystal Dome. So this was a 16-foot model for the show's time crystals located in center of the maze. The interior is designed with rails for the team to hold on before the final challenge begins with a mesh floor and a series of fans below the base which activate on the host's command, blowing foil tokens around. At its height, viewing figures regularly scored over 4 million, peaking at 5.9 million in 1992 when the show was nominated for its first BAFTA award. Three other BAFTA nominations followed in subsequent years with a Royal Television Society award and nomination in 1995. Although the show wasn't originally envisaged as a, sh as a children's show, over 40% of the show's viewers were under 16. A surprise to the crew and O'Brien, who adapted his performance accordingly, forcing himself to think more like a child. Contemporary commentary have often suggested that this aspect of O'Brien's performance was the show's biggest attraction, praising his zany style, describing him as a fearless adventurer with a wink and smile and a verbal knife in the back of those poor saps who are the contestants. His style and wit was a sardonic yet never exclusionary and pointed yet never bitter. In 2012, the Guardian's TV and radio blog listed O'Brien as one of the as one of the six most loved game show hosts, describing him as an unconventional choice for an unconventional series and looked more like a dandy gazelle than a game show host. The same commentary also suggested Tudor Pole had an almost impossible task in living up to O'Brien's popularity. Guardian claimed that it was no surprise that the show went downhill after O'Brien's exit. The show had a long-lasting impact 
and influence on British television, becoming what has been described as a cult classic due to repeats. The makers of the children's TV show Jungle Run openly acknowledge the Crystal Maze as an influence, particularly the final host, Michael Underwood, who was a team captain in the first Christmas special. The Mega Crystal from the revived series might have in turn been inspired by Jungle Run's own Ruby Monkey, which itself was worth double the amount of time of that show's monkey statues. The perceived stupidity of the contestants was a target of various British comedy shows and spoofs, a trend which continued well into the mid-2000s. The perceived stupidity of contestants. <laughs> Let's talk about this brilliant, brilliant show. I've talked long enough now, so it's your turn. Uh, the Christmas Maze was definitely something that we used to watch as a, as a family. I remember loving it then, and to be honest, loving it now, it was just the same. I mean, I, I, I think I'd watched a few episodes a few years back, um, and it's, it's it's so fun to watch. One thing I will note, will note, though, is that I've never seen on a TV show or otherwise in real life, I've never seen adults get so excited. They were like, they were so excited, like kids like that had too much sugar and but i've never i've never actually genuinely never seen an adult get i've seen an adult be excited and you know like oh calm down calm down whatever but i've never seen an adult act like that and i was watching the first episode and they were like bounding around like puppies and i was like wow i mean that's 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 got to be something right um but yeah i mean obviously i think given a chance i'd love a crack at this show i mean you you probably would as well right i mean it all of the all of the games look fun like it looks like fun being there i mean i wouldn't like to do the pickups afterwards <laughs> i didn't realize they shot it over two days but um imagine if you lost everything and you were just you had to do the pickup shots <laughs> afterwards and the next day i don't really know what else to say about it i mean i only watched one episode this time round because they were like i didn't realize they were an hour long um obviously with commercial breaks, it would have been an hour long, but probably about 40-something, 40 48 minutes or so um, on YouTube. Um, they, they were like, yeah, it was really good. I mean, um, oh, what was the host name? You've said it a hundred times already. Richard O'Brien. Richard O'Brien. He was not very nice to the contestants, was he? Um, he was a bit like, he kind of said what the dungeon master in Nightmare was thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So like, so like when he was um trying to like give me hints or something like that. Um yeah. But yeah, great show. Awesome format. Um and yeah, I mean I, I don't think I've understood quite what happens with the prizes at the end until like now because it, I think it's one of those things where you probably assume looking back on it that they were just jumping around for money, right? Um, but obviously that's not that's definitely not the case. So I kind of got that, and also they can. I didn't realize it could get penalized in the last last spinny aroundy tokeny bit. Um, they're only allowed to get the gold ones, and if they get the silver ones, that's not very good. Um, yeah, Crystal Maze. Um, yeah, we also watched this as a, a family, like just gathered around the TV. I think it used yeah. to come on like during the holidays, like in the morning on Channel Four, as part of the syndicated programming. And yeah, we it was something that we would look forward to, enjoy it very, very much. I I liked Richard O'Brien as the host. He was just 
absolutely magnificent. He made the show for what it was. Yeah. I kind of felt sorry for uh, Ed, the other yeah. presenter, because, yeah, he did have an impossible task. He had a, the, 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 the most impossible task ever. But, um, yeah, this show was so much fun. So much fun. And you know what? Actually, one of my notes was that they were quite a reluctant bunch because obviously the team captain would be like, oh, you're going to do the challenge. They'd be like, oh, I'm not sure. I don't want to do it. And now that they didn't know each other from Adam, yeah, now yeah, it kind bit... of makes sense that they would be a bit reluctant doing certain things. And um, yeah, but no, this was this was an incredibly fun show. I, I really enjoyed watching this show again. And I really wanted to watch the newer series to kind of compare and contrast. But I think I did manage to watch one episode with Richard O'Brien and one with um, Ed. So I think in terms of comparisons, that will have to do. I didn't yeah. watch the pilot. So Oh, I didn't watch the pilot. So I, the first one I watched was, um, it was series one, episode one on YouTube. I'm not sure if that was the pilot or not. It had Nick Hall. Oh, company. I watched that too. That's what I watched. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that really, really irritated me about this episode was he says, um, I'm Nick Hall. And they said the job afterwards, right? He goes, I'm self-employed. Right? So you're self-employed and you do what? That's not a job. That's your status. Like, why why are you not saying what you do? Well, um, back in 1990, it might have been a thing. No, but like, I've been self-employed. but And my dad's been self-employed. But we do two different, completely, completely different jobs. And yeah, like, but it's a know, thing, isn't it? Yeah, but what I'm saying is, like, I can be a self-employed cameraman, and I can also be a self-employed painter and decorator. I can also be a self-employed computer analyst or a self-employed YouTuber, right? Like, Not in 1990. 1990, that's one job. You could be self-employed. What do you do? You've got to do everything because you're self-employed. Yeah. <laughs> You've literally got to do everything. Jack um, of all trades, mate. Jack of all trades. Yeah, so that kind of irritated me. Are we doing episodes now? Can I just rattle through? Yeah, yeah, we're doing episodes. So, yeah, I, I wrote, I wrote their full names actually. Oh, go on then, because I did. I just wrote Nick Hall and company. Nick Hall, Fraser Renton, Louise Fothergill, Angela Goddard, Yvette Mayo, and Ken Day, who was the team captain. Right, so I didn't even write who did what. I just wrote I whether they win or they lost. Nick so, does the first physical challenge. Ladders and ropes, where you had to like, kind of like jump over. He struggled with this one. He really struggled. Um, I wrote with thirty seconds to spare. Yeah, but he like he was like, he, if you notice, he tried to jump over one, and then he'd be like, "No, nah, I'm getting a ladder." To be honest, um, he eventually made it over to get the. You're supposed um, to use the ladder anyway. The rules, the rules where you have to use the ladder or the ropes. Yeah, but he tried to get the rope, and he was he was like, "Allow that, I can't do it." Um, so. Yeah, they got he got a win out of it. He got a nice win. The next one was this guy that had to shoot. He Fraser you know, like, ball, Fraser had to like shoot ball bearings at this like glass things to fill the sand bucket when yeah. the sand bucket filled up. Skill challenge. Ball. This was. Um, the next one was the spelling one. Was it like must be uh, uh, what was Angela it? skill challenge? And you have to do a puzzle on the wall. Yeah, and she had to spell chocolate, and she won. And. The next one was another skills one, I think. Must be skills, right? They had to make a square. It's mystery. A mystery, and they had to, oh yeah, yeah, mystery challenge, and they had to do like make a square with the blocks that were in the room, and then they had to rearrange them to make a rectangle with the same blocks, and they yep. failed that. They they like they they could Louise. Yeah, she flopped it so hard. Um, 
and then, then this they is go where... from Aztec to industrial. Yeah, through a tunnel. And did you notice, right? Richard O'Brien, he didn't put his knees on the pipe. It looked like he hated crawling through that pipe. So he was kind of, he put gloves on. He even said, I'm putting gloves on because we have to crawl through this thing. And then he like kind of put his like, very tips of his toes and, and his hands on the, on the pipe. Um, I don't blame him. The next one was a mental game and it was a maze. I don't know who did it. Oh, uh, Ken. It was a Ken. physical challenge and he was building blocks. Uh, no, I've got the maze one next. Okay, maybe. Oh yeah, 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 that yeah. They completely, they like, completely flopped that one as well, right? And then the next one was a uh, a maze, which was an easy win. He literally just like went and got the thing. But it um, like a... you mean the one that he has to kiss the princess? That yeah. one. That's uh, no, the that mental was... challenge. The mental game, yeah, yeah, because that was a um, uh, it was like a mirrored maze, right? I didn't. Yeah, yeah, mirrored maze. It's the mental challenge, and you have to basically. Kiss the princess and she will give you the crystal. Yeah, which is definitely what the hell? Definitely something that wouldn't happen now, right? I didn't. It I, shouldn't I, happen then. What the I, hell? And you and you had one of the other guys going, "Oh, I wish I could have done that one now." Shut your damn mouth! No, I've got this afterwards in the medieval zone. That was this is the this is the industrial. Yeah, zone. I stick to medieval. And then the first one was Ken doing the physical challenge, which was the building block thing. They went Aztec to industrial, and then to medieval, and then to future. Aztec to industrial, and then industrial to medieval. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the mental game was the first was like a lab rat maze, and then it was a mystery fail where they had to solve the mystery, but it was they were so rubbish, and she couldn't get the key key to open the safe. Um, and then he straight up. Oh, Brian... I've, I've gone way ahead. I've gone way ahead. Sorry. Oh, so I, Sorry. So, so basically, um, what's her name? Uh, so O'Brien says to this woman when and did the tried to solve the murder mystery thing, he literally she said, "Oh, I just couldn't get open." He goes, "Well, you should have got there sooner, then, shouldn't you?" <laughs> and he was a bit like, oh, "Okay." And then they had this um, drop up mag. Oh, Yvette. Yeah, the there. mystery channel murder mystery. Yeah, Yvette. Yeah, she messed up. And then yeah. it was Nick with skills. How much did this guy look like Alan Partridge? This guy was not like, really. I was like, that's, that's Alan Partridge. Like, <laughs> um, so, I mean, I'm a massive fan of Alan Partridge, but yeah, his, his guy looked a lot like him. But um, he had to drop a uh, drop the with a magnet over a dome and drop this little metal ball into a hole. He he won that one. Then they did a guess what's in the box, and this guy like flopped it so hard. He was like, he didn't know anything that was in the box. The only first, the only one he got right on the first pass was um, Rubik's Cube. Then he got, I think he got the wrench right. And then they were like, oh yeah, you've only got one more to do. And I was like, nah, you've got two more to do. Um, and then he had hey, to go but, but to be fair, he did leave with like loads of time to fix before I'm not getting this. Get out of there. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, but that's the thing. No one got locked in yet. So uh, the next one was uh, Medieval Zone. And this was a visible one and they had to make a square puzzle thing oh yes when they failed is what you're talking about and then then the mirror maze with the kiss of the princess bit yep and then the physical one with the cogs this old lady yep louise Um, yeah she won that it was like basically put the cogs on the wall in the right order they'll turn a thing i didn't think she was going to get this because she sold one second left yeah with one second left she had to get the cog because i thought like you know 
turning the cogs would be the you know because you had to put the cogs on the wall in the right order i thought that was the challenge but the thing is you had to get the cogs on the wall then that that moved this little flame which burnt the the string that was holding the uh crystal on which let it go and i didn't realize that was even part of it and i don't think she did either but anyway yeah literally the skin of her teeth made this one um which is quite exciting to watch to be fair uh, then the next one was someone had to spell dungeon, but I this puzzle looked quite hard. I thought she done really well here. Where it's if it's you have like to spell a, dungeon and you just got to move it about, I think that's straightforward actually. Yeah, but it's like because it's like there's only two spaces down. You had to move them all down, and then put some there and some there, and then move it around. Um, I thought that was quite. I I don't think I would have been able to do that one. I think I would have come unstuck there. Then they went off to the future zone, and there was a maze, which was a win. Um. Wire a plug. Oh, so they, they had to do this thing where they had to wire a plug. But I think that the design of the level was not very good. So the guy couldn't physically turn the screwdriver to screw the screw the last screw in. He yeah. physically couldn't do it. So I think that was a bit of a um, thing. But anyway, he failed it. Then there's a woman went into like the space one where she had to drive Yvette. this little. Yvette had to. She had to drive this little space car Buggy. around, and then get the. Like put her, her her arms are sort of outside, but in gloves, and then she had to get the uh, the crystal, then put it in a, in the airlock, then get herself back through the airlock, and then pick up the thing up. She won that one, and that was the end of that. So then they had then they had fifty seconds to go in a crystal dome, and they with all the everything added up, they won ninety two points, which makes it so they only get the secondary prizes, which was pretty good, to be fair. They won a day out in Heaver Castle with a ride on the Orient Express, which I thought was pretty cool. A fly, a flying thing, or a flying club, a parachute jump, and a membership to the Parachute Association. A day out banger racing at the Essex track. Um, aerobatics in a plane, and then mud plugging or whatever they called it but basically off-roading in a suzuki i thought they were pretty damn good prizes for secondary prizes um that's the only episode i watched but yeah i mean i thoroughly enjoyed this one it, it didn't feel like the hour that it was to be honest cool i watched um an episode from series six so this was helen lee's Catherine scott peter thurstod or i'm gonna call him thirsty because i didn't write his name down so i just wrote thirsty Mark Walsh or Scouse Mark, Caroline Hunter Yates, Double Barrels, wasn't a big thing in the 90s, but is now, and Steve Fernandez, who was the captain. So they start off in the medieval zone. Thirsty does the first challenge, which was a skills challenge. It's basically jousting a shield to release the crystal. He wins. Mystery challenge with Catherine. So you have to arrange in signs correctly and they make up names of pubs. So dog and duck the crown jewel or whatever pub names are she flopped it physical challenge with scouse mark which is basically pouring water and then basically it lifts up and then the crystal rolls through he wins so now they're moving to from medieval to futuristic skills challenge with caroline so basically you have to pull the crystal in with a ball and a magnet she wins Mental challenge with Helen. So basically fitting signs and no matching signs are allowed to be together. So you can't have two that look the same together. She messed it. Skills challenge with Captain Steve. 
you got to switch on three lights, but obviously he can't see, and you got to use like this rod. Ends up switching it on. Mental challenge with Thirsty. So he's basically using a, a force field to guide some kind of shield. He wins. He was very good, Thirsty, to be fair. Like he was in and out. He wasn't like messing about. Yeah. Shout out to Thirsty if you're listening. Um, so they're moving to the Aztec zone. Physical challenge with Scouse Mark. You gotta smash these pots with the hammer. And basically the crystal will come rolling out. Success. Mental challenge with Catherine. You gotta place the sun and moon in correct temples. It's a success. Mystery challenge with Helen. You have to look for the crystal in the maze and you basically have to ask slaves for clues and they'll basically tell her where the crystals is. Yeah. Different time. Different time. <laughs> and then they move to the ocean zone. Mystery challenge with the captain. You've got to use a code and you've got to open the safe and it's underwater. He wins. Mental challenge with Caroline. So you basically have to like build a, a boat and you have to match it with the boat of the painting she messes up mystery now with the captain and you've got to deliver one ball to each bucket the the captain wins and so they have to go to the crystal dome and they've got 10 out of a possible 13 crystals so this team looked like they might have been the real deal but again i think they didn't collect enough gold tickets to win the main prizes so they end up winning the secondary prizes yeah, I didn't notice them. They were they were very very excitable, overexcited. Ah, oh my god! Ah, goodness me! You know, Scouse Mark should have just gone up to them and gone, "Calm down, calm down, calm down." <laughs> yeah, you know, he he probably should have come out with that. I'm sorry, Liverpool listeners. All right, sorry. I know I know people from Liverpool hate that so much. Yeah, but they did it when um, was it Lenny Henry? Yeah, Lenny Henry. I don't know if it's Lenny Henry, but it, but no, yeah, Henry, I think it's Harry old. Enfield, Harry Enfield, yeah. Harry Enfield. Yeah. yeah, and they've got like the perms and the moustache, and they're like, calm down, calm down, yeah. calm down. And they, yeah, 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 they yeah, don't, they, they, they don't. Um, I don't think they, I don't think they appreciate or like that very much. <laughs> I can understand why, to be fair. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, any final words about Crystal Maze? No, I mean, I would just recommend people to go and watch it, especially if they haven't seen it yet. Um, I mean, it's very difficult to to do an episode rundown list on game shows because, especially like like kind of challenge game shows, because we're trying to explain what they're doing, and it's actually much more fun to watch them do the challenges. So yeah, I mean, I would just go and watch it, especially if you haven't seen it. I enjoyed it. Then I enjoyed it. Now, it, it's it deserves its um, flowers, as you say. Um, it's it's a great show. Absolutely, and yeah, if you just want to have a a a, a peek or a, a, a small insight into what life was like in the nineties and how people and how people used to behave and how people were, then this is like a real insight into how how people were and it's like a real eye-opener in many ways because yeah things were just different back then different it's a different world different universe 
to how things are now. As we were just saying, that there's certain things that there was on this show that you wouldn't even think or contemplate doing. But they did it because it was a different time. It was a different world. And, you know, even though I was a part of it, of that world, it's just, I don't know, now that I'm older and I, yeah, it was just a, an alien, alien thing. But, man, oh, man, this was, yeah, this was... um different times yeah i mean i really hope that we look back on this generation in like 10 years time and we'll be like what the bloody hell was tiktok all about why were we doing stupid things like that because i mean i know that every every we always look back at people you know generation being stupid and you know the you know looking what you know 80s with the hair and 90s with the clothes and you know i really hope we we realize what we've done with like tiktok and things like that because come on man half of the stuff on it is just so daft Okay, boomer. You 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 leave TikTok alone. There might be uh, listeners of ours. Who are <laughs> I mean, on I'm on it. So. I mean, I, I I don't know the first thing about TikTok, but uh, no, all I see good is job, like, guys. You know. I mean, I've I've seen a few TikTok videos doing the rounds, or or yeah, or like on social media. So uh, good stuff, kids. Keep TikToking. Right, and on that, and on that bombshell, I don't want us to come across as two old men. So yes, yeah, so and on that bombshell, we'll uh, bring this episode to an end. Warm welcome to listeners from Armenia. Nice. Yeah, Armenia. How about that? Thank you for uh, coming along on the on the, on the journey of uh, yesterday's capers. We appreciate you wholeheartedly. And you know what? I was just like flicking through the youtube channel there is so much comments on there honestly some of it is a bit weird and whatever and you can ignore that but there are a couple of them that are like really really good so anyone who wrote nice comments on youtube i appreciate each and every one of you i'm going to hopefully try and find some of them and hopefully try and read them out obviously i'm not going to read out the ones that are inappropriate they can kind of uh, stay to uh, one side. But honestly, yeah, keep listening on, on YouTube. We appreciate you very, very much. It's available wherever you get your podcast from as well. So if you're into all of that with your telephones, then, uh, yeah, definitely check out Yesterday's Capers. We're on the socials on uh, Instagram. It's Yesterday's Capers 1. On Twitter, it's Yesterday Capers facebook.com forward slash yesterday's capers you can find me on the socials on instagram at abdullah underscore molim abdullah molim all one word on twitter give me a holler give me a shout and join us next time for another episode of yesterday's capers